Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, while you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Embassy Suites Hotel at the SCI Safari Club International event right here in beautiful Concord, North Carolina. I'd be your host, Biggin, and how about you? Uh, across the way is not uh, is not Mojo, but it is producer Brian. <laughs> How's it going, you have man? Less of uh, less of an impact. Yeah, on it's, the show. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah. I want you to play that again. That's, uh, <laughs> that's how it feels. You know? You're so excited. <laughs> uh, Mojo is not here with us today. He is fighting not getting the coronavirus. I think that's that's kind of what he's too scared to come out of his own home. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Yeah, he's like quarantined, but not because he's been to China. Right. He went to like uh, Panda Express or something. <laughs> he went to the uh, the Hong Kong Fui Chinese buffet, and then got a little got a little bit in trouble. Uh, no, he is not with us tonight, so we will be doing the show uh, without him. Uh, thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to our friend Mojo, uh, as he would normally say. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Somehow, some way, you're listening to the show. If by chance you just clicked on the website, um, you can check out our our podcast weekly uh if you subscribe to google play the apple itunes store is it still called the itunes store it's itunes itunes yeah. okay uh we're apple on, podcasts yeah you can also say hey alexa hey google play the latest episode of the southern fried philosophy podcast and we'll we'll pop right up so there's that uh check out our website also at southernfriedphilosophy.com and all of our socials at sfp radio um and our email is at sfp radio at gmail.com so you can uh check us out and stay up to date to all of our info and news except for this event which it was kind of a last minute thing from Uncle Leon, and so, <laughs> so we decided we're going to come to do this event, so we're really excited. Guys, we are in the convention center at the Embassy Suites Hotel. It's pretty fancy in here. There's I like feel, chandeliers. I feel fancy. Yeah. There's chairs with covers on them. Yeah, That's a, fancy. There's a guy, there's a mannequin in camouflage. I don't, I think that he's a real guy, and he's just standing He's that there. still? He's like he's the very British, like the, what's the guys with the black hats, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. He's one of those. <laughs> I haven't walked in. I haven't tried to make a move yet. So right before we leave, I might. By walk the end of the day, and, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna form tackle him. Okay, that's, yeah, there that's you go. The game yeah, plan. and there's, looks like they're gonna be giving some stuff away later. They got oh, a bunch yeah. of like lottery bins out here. There's a ton so. of stuff. There is a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um. So we want to say shout out to our listeners from Tallahassee, Tampa, Terre Haute, Toledo, Traverse City, Tulsa, Tyler, uh, and Longview, Texas. So. Yippee! Way to go, guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in. So I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week. Producer Brian, how you doing? I survived <laughs> Snowpocalypse 2020. Dum-dum-dum! Yeah. <laughs> it snowed, what, for like a couple hours? Never stuck to anything. <laughs> you you guys didn't have it sticking at all? Not not in Charlotte. Where I, I'm in North Charlotte. And yeah. Yeah, I was actually riding around all afternoon yesterday, uh-huh. which is fun when everyone's freaking out because <laughs> sure. blizzards coming. You know, there's just gonna be black ice tomorrow. Right. You know. Yeah. I, yeah. So we actually like I got home and then put all the kids in the car and like went out to eat while it's snowing. Like, <laughs> right. It's 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 fine. It's yeah. not nothing's happening. No big deal. It's not it, acid. Yeah, and then you know everything closed. So the schools closed, mm-hmm. right? 
And I can't fault them for that because everyone, the black ice, everyone said black ice. Everybody's so scared of this. Weather said black ice, black ice, black ice. And then I literally look out my window at like Mm -hmm. 8 o'clock this morning and the road's completely dry. Dry. Not even wet. Sure. Like you can't tell anything happened yesterday. Yeah. No, there's (laughs) nothing there. Now, let me ask you, your Uh, wife's a teacher. Yes. What was the protocol for you guys? Like how early did you guys get? notified that there's well, not going to be school. CMS called it at nine o'clock last night last night yes so we knew mm-hmm. which is gr- mm-hmm. you know and they'll get crucified for it because they made the call and then nothing happened they probably could have gone mm-hmm. to school today but they didn't know that at nine o'clock right and as a parent I'd rather know mm-hmm. and maybe be able to make plans instead of being up at 530 in the morning going okay mm-hmm. let me call grandma let me get yep. a babysitter let me you know and I'm yep. fortunate in my situation with child care but a lot of people aren't. Right. And if you're working like a shift job or you can't get coverage, yep. you got to work that. I mean, I can't blame the people for making the calls early. Sure. Just 100%. let me know what's happening and stick to it. Can, oh, well. Can I tell you, and I've had beef with Cabarrus Charter Academy, and I'm going to throw them under yep. the bus, because they made me sit in a uh, tornado uh, <laughs> warning with stuck in cars like I couldn't go anywhere. So, yep. So they decided on this point – what they're going to do is they're going to do a two-hour delay. Yeah. Right? And then at 7.08 this morning, I get a phone call saying, oh, by the way, we're canceled. Who does that? Who cancels it one hour before you're supposed to show yeah, up to drop the kid off? That's not okay. Sorry, yeah, I was, I was a little loud on that one. That's People like, are looking at me like, right. what's going on? <laughs> Guys, I am so frustrated at that. It drove me nuts. I got off the phone, and I just wanted to throw. An hour? Throw, an hour before we're supposed to drop <sighs> the kids off. Jeez. And to be it's it's to drop the kids actually off at the school, not at the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, gotcha. Right. School, not pool. Yeah, so um, just a couple of things I want to talk about, just some follow-up discussions. Um I was wrong last week about the group of rhinos. Okay. They are not call- I thought that they were called a thunder for some some reason. I thought a great a thunder of rhinos, right? A thunder of rhinos. Sure, well, I thought I thought that that was going to be the case. Um but it it wasn't. When I went back and I did some research, a group of rhinos. Does anybody does anybody know what it is? Uh, uh Mr. Leon has has joined us. We've been joined by the great Leon. How are you guys doing tonight? Washington cigars. Do you know what a group of rhinos is called? I'm clueless. It's not a thunder, apparently. It's not a thunder. Okay. I thought, the last episode, I thought a great uh, mascot would be the rhinos, and a group of rhinos is called a thunder, and they could all run out to Thunderstruck. Yeah. Not, but it's great. It's let, awesome. me, yeah. let me just make sure that we all understand. So, a group of rhinos is actually called a crash. Oh. Which is actually still kind of cool. I like that. I can live with the crash of I w- rhinos. I would not say they should play, like, crash into me. Like, what was it, lie? No, crash. Oh, like Dave Matthews? Dave Matthews, song? man. Uh, they should not run out to that one. Okay, yeah, so. there was a lot with Live back in the 90s when the band Live had a band called, like, Lightning Crashes. Oh. Which is still, it's really morbid. Oh, well, so that's Maybe that's the wrong it. one, too. That's probably so who are we not selling this idea to? Well, we wanted to buy an, an XFL team. Okay. And and yeah. that would be the mascot, the, the SFP. The Kickstarter is not funded completely we yet. Started yet. I got so. five on it. Five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so our our idea, the SFP rhinos, still okay. potentially is out there. All right. Uh, I also um, wanted to say last year, last week we talked about Charlotte top ten places in the world to live. One of those uh, places in the top twenty was Richmond, Virginia. 
uh, our newest Patreon subscriber, Leanne, wanted us to point out that Richmond is a dumpster fire. Agreed. That you should not live there. Yeah, I saw that. I think <laughs> after the fact, I was going back to the list while I was editing or something. Uh-huh. Like that. Yeah. Wait a minute, Richmond's on here. What mm-hmm. kind of list is this? <laughs> it's all about the math, though. Like it was all about. Was all they, about no math. one visited these cities. They looked right. at based on some kind of income mm-hmm. and a poverty level or a crime yeah. level. It's, it's statistics. Yeah. It's to, it's How to, about what's the again? They punch numbers, crush numbers, punch numbers. I like punch numbers. Um, yeah. So it's obvious that no one writing that article ever has ever been or look places. at the picture of any of those places. <laughs> On the way here, and I'm skipping around, so I apologize. That's right. On the way here, um, I saw, I was coming up Cabarrus Avenue, and I saw two um, hot pink signs on the side of the road. And I and, and handwritten pen, I mean, it was a big pen. It was a thick pen. Yard sale. Yeah, yard sale pen. <laughs> it said. Yard sale sign, right? It said, <laughs> Dre's Hot Fish. And it gave a phone number. Did you get a photo? Okay. I'll get one on the way home, <laughs> and I'll, I'll post that. So is he, what's he selling? Hot fish. I mean. I don't okay. know what hot fish is, but it got me thinking, is there any food that you would buy on the side of the road like fish? Like fish? hot fish. Is, is this something you're going to like? I mean, you see over? that, though. Yes. You'll drive through, and there'll yes. be like a parking Wait, lot, and there'll be a dude there in yes. a tent. With the fish fry, or he's like barbecuing something. We call it fish fry fish, man. With the wash pot. Oh, dude, that is the best. Really? You need to come hang with me one do you, time. Yeah. Do you know what hot fish is, though? What's hot fish? That means it comes out and it goes in your sandwich. As soon as it comes, it's the grease. As soon as it comes out the pot, it's fresh. Okay. It's hot fish. It means it's going to burn your mouth. So, <laughs> so I got to call Dre and tell him, hey, fire up the fire up the grill or the, the, the wash fire. Because here, the wash pot? Wash pot. The what? Wash pot. Watch or wash? Wash. Wash. Wash pot. Wash pot. And fire it up because I'm coming in. I'm coming in hot from I need a sandwich. <laughs> I'm, coming in, I'm coming in hot. Oh, man. How long is it going to take me to get this thing going? Oh, man. Don't, don't take my sister there, okay? <laughs> but, like, what? 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 So you you would not buy food. Uh, you Leon, know, you're about it. I'm uh, about it, about it, baby. Oh, it scares me. No. I'm not scared. You know, just think about it. It's in the grease. It's hot. So whatever germs may have been on it, it's yeah, gone. fire kills everything, man. Dude, I'm all about the five second rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like going. I mean, if would you eat a hamburger at a high school football game concession stand? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. Why well, not? <laughs> Pop one a football. I'd rather eat. Here. Dre's hot fish <laughs> in a Burger King. I've also then then a bur- like a, like, like the, whatever then a Burger buy. King broiler. Like, yeah, there you go. Even that. Uh, I was just like, I don't think I'm gonna call Dre. I don't care what oh, what, what kind of color. Dude, no, is. call Dre. Uh-huh. Roll up if you don't like the environment. Hit the gas, man. He, yeah, I, I, you don't. I can stop. tell you right now, I'm not gonna like the environment. <laughs> I don't even have to call the number. But I mean, he's. He's he's a marketing genius because sure. this is the right time to sell fish, right? Yeah. Because what Lent starts next week? I think so. You know, and I've honestly have never celebrated celebrated. <clears throat> Do you celebrate Lent? Is that you is that the observe, right word? Observe. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it because uh, yeah, you observe it. Mm-hmm. You have to give something up for Lent, right? You have to have fish. Supposedly, fish on Friday. Well, people give up 
meat. Oh, they give up whatever they give up is something, distracting you from but your But for whatever account. reason, everyone sells a fish sandwich. Because you're supposed to have fish on Friday. You have to have fish on Friday. I think that's what the real the thing was. See, the, the, I grew up in the Baptist church, and there was no hot fish at the Baptist church. No, I still don't. Yeah. So... I, I'm, I like that there's fish sandwiches. Everyone has one because I you, like fish Leon, sandwiches. Leon, do you like a fish sandwich? I love a fish sandwich. No, last year we did a fish event. Well, it wasn't my event. A friend mm. of mine was doing it. Told him how many people was coming. Okay, I got it covered. We show up, they run out of fish. So I pulled the person oh, to the no. side. I oh, said, no. look here. Oh, yeah. no. I wasn't trying to feed the 5,000, <laughs> but I was trying to feed more than 12 disciples. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> You can't run out of fish, oh, man. man. On a fish Friday. Man, gosh, that was embarrassing, man. What's the best fish sandwich that you have from, like, are we talking chain? Oh. Is that where we're going? No, I don't no. like the chains. Well, the no. chains have gotten better. There used to be no selection of chains. Remember, like, 10 years ago, if you wanted a fish sandwich. Captain D's? You had to go, you, yeah, Captain D's, Long John you Silver's. Me, if, you know, and those are they're harder to find a lot of times. Like Captain D's would have fish all the time. But, like, think about the places that don't traditionally, like McDonald's. Play a fish. It's gross. Y'all, every gross. once in a while, I'll get a hankering for it, and I just have to have it. And, and, and they go on sale with two for three dollars. You're overpaying for those sandwiches. I know. Hold on now. You'll go to McDonald's and get that fish, but you won't go call Ray Ray and get the hot fish. Drake? No. <laughs> At least I know that that McDonald's fish is going through some type of process. That's what you think. Oh, you it's all process. Right. There's no fish. Oh, it's going through a process. Right. <laughs> you just don't want to see it. Oh, that is true. Man. That's different than the SCI guys who will like fish it, like clean it, and then have it on a sandwich like in the next ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I don't. I, well, two years ago, I. I was partaking in a few fish sandwiches. Like Wendy's had one, yeah. Arby's had one. Arby's uh, has one now, and they're dogging McDonald's. Yeah, I've seen, I've, I haven't I've seen the commercial, yeah. but I, uh, I just did an ad about Hold it. Hold on, uh, you going to Arby's? Roast beef for fish? Right, it's ocean no, meat. It's, it's called ocean, ocean meat. It's ocean That's meat. what they're saying. They've got the meats. It's actually pretty good. Ocean it's, not, it's not a bad chicken uh, fish sandwich. My problem is you don't put American cheese on a fish sandwich. I would agree with that. I like I, the cheese I like on everything. But you want a not not even like fake like you know that sliced American cheese? Yeah. Do you really want that on a fish sandwich? Not really. No. But I'll put tartar sauce on it. Yeah. I like it. And supposedly Chick Fil A has a wait what? Chick Fil A has a fish sandwich. Did I, did I read that. something about that? I'm going to do some huh. research. That'll be the follow up discussion next time. Yeah. Yeah. So. But you know, I can't have any of those anymore because I'm doing the keto thing. So. Yeah. Has it worked for you? Yeah, maybe. I'm still. Uh, <laughs> I just asked, but I don't know. I, Brian, I ain't seen yeah, you, man. About so, three I know. Months. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I've dropped about twenty pounds so far, really? but it it stopped. I need to, you know, yeah. I, I cheated a little. And apparently, you can't cheat for like six to eight weeks. So what is you the keto? What is that? Uh-oh. It's um, high high fat, moderate protein, almost no carbs. Can you drink liquor? You can drink hard liquor. Hard liquor. You can still. I can drink bourbon and I can smoke cigars. So it's and I can eat barbecue. So it's like that's perfect. Dream diet, right? I don't to do that. <laughs> I need to invest in that diet. It's, but it's it's hard because you can only have like your diet can only consist of five percent carbs. Yeah, you can't. So have I carbs. can't have any carbs at all. So sugar, I can't have like apples. I can't have fruit. I can have very few fruits. Depends on like the dietary fiber in them. So, so you can have barbecue. I can have. You yeah. can drink liquor. You can drink liquor, yeah. You can smoke cigars. Yeah. Guys, we need to invest in that and sell it to the SCI guys because they're all about that. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, yeah. 
Josh. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it was made for me. It wasn't made for my family. But it's hard to make, like, like my struggle. Like, I made meatloaf a week ago. Okay, mm-hmm. meatloaf, right? Mm-hmm. But I couldn't put, like, the breadcrumbs in there. Yeah, I can't. So I made one one time, and it was, it was not pretty. I don't make meatballs. They just kind of fell apart. Who puts so breadcrumbs in meatloaf? Or crackers. or crackers? You don't crack- put crackers in it? No, man. What is wrong with you? What do you put you know in it? That? It just we makes put it. Meat. We get the, it's all meat. The meat, and we put onions, and we put peppers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, it. like, there's no. There's no eggs? Lord, no. What? That's a not meatloaf. That's a big hamburger. <laughs> And you know what? I sliced mine off and put it between two pieces of bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just made a hamburger. You literally just made a hamburger. <laughs> we call that a hamburger steak where I come from. Uh, oh, you're awful. You know, all right, get off our show. I keep it real. Uh, all right, so guys, we're going to uh, go to uh, our SCI vendors here, or our SCI organization. We're going to interview them, and then there are a plethora of different vendors we're going to get on and talk with. So enjoy the show. We'll be right back. Very reasonable price. You must check out our friends at Watchman Cigars. Watchman Cigars is a family-owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business. Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you to provide a custom, exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Watchman Cigars 1991 or check out his new website at WatchmanCigars.com or the sponsor section of our website. All right, so we are here again at the Embassy Suites Hotel, the SCI Safari Club International event. You guys have got a... Fantastic setup. We were talking earlier about how fancy it is. I mean, this is this is some fancy stuff going on. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, we we don't try to be over fancy. It's not about that. It's just about to bring the class back to hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. I guess is what we're trying to do. Sure. When we say fancy, we talk about chandeliers and seats that are not benches. Right. So right. So by that standard, this is very fancy, right? I got gotcha. you. <laughs> it's Southern fried fancy. Oh, I like it. How about yeah, that? There JT? you go. So we need to get him director of marketing, so that'd be good. Uh, yep. Yeah. So tell us about the Safari Club International as an organization. What is it, and what are you guys um, all about? Sure, JT. Let me field that. I'm Scott Chapman. I'm president-elect of Safari Club International. Mm-hmm. We've been in business, ironically, for nearly 50 years. Next year will be our 50th year uh, wow. as an enterprise, and, and the following year will be uh, our 50th convention. Our first year, we didn't have one, okay. and that is the international convention. Uh, we're here happily in North Carolina today uh, supporting uh, my friend Brett, who is the president of the North Carolina Charlotte chapter, and this is one of roughly 170 chapter events like this that will take place uh, within a one-year cycle. So so this is is the grassroots regional thing. SCI, uh, we are the world's leader in hunter advocacy. Uh, We have two sides of our house. One is a 501c3, another is a 501c4. Each one can do things differently. 
uh, on the SCI side of things, that's where the hunter advocacy takes place. Okay. Uh, we do that through lobbying, uh, through grassroots lobbying and professional lobbying. We do that through litigation. Um, our headquarters are in Washington, D.C., and we also have a facility in Tucson, Arizona, where we have a wildlife museum. Oh, wow. Very cool. And, and tell us a little bit about overall the organization, um, protecting freedoms of hunters. You said advocacy. Sure. I saw conservation on on the on on the website. Tell us all about those things. What what do you guys do specifically? Yeah, and if you visit our website, mm-hmm. uh, if you just Google Safari Club International and get there, you can see a ton of different projects that mm-hmm. we have. So. If we just grabbed current litigation, so litigation isn't the only means for advocacy, but it's an important one. It's something that Safari Club is unique in this space of different organizations uh, because we do have full-time litigators on staff. So if we look at current litigation and you just scroll through it, National Park Service regulations in Alaska, Native American hunting in violation of state hunting regulations, Mm. Uh, 2016-2018 Zimbabwe elephant and lion importation, uh, CBD versus Zinke, Friends of Animals versus Zinke. So we're engaged with all Mm -hmm. these different things, Louisiana black bear delisting, New Jersey black bear hunting, defense of Yellowstone grizzly bear delisting. We're unique in, in how many things we get involved with and how we are protecting. Uh, Everybody hears the name of Safari Club International. They have some vision that these are only rich, old, fat, white guys that travel to Africa. (laughs) And I'd like to say that we probably have a few of those in our membership, but that isn't our central focus. We're here for all hunters. If you look on my card, it Mm -hmm. says SCI First for Hunters doesn't matter if you're a duck hunter, a dove hunter, a bear hunter, a deer hunter, a traveling hunter. Mm-hmm. We're here for you, and we would like uh, all of those people to engage as members. Okay. So, fair to say you guys are pretty uh, arm-in-arm in with PETA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're really close. In fact, is Brett, I, I think we're having some people over for dinner. Uh, actually, right? yes, yes. Yeah. We have one hell of a... Taxider or uh, wild game dinner for him tomorrow. Talk about conservation. Why is that? I guess the, the idea of maybe just the, the average Joe Blow of conservation is, um, you know, we're just trying to protect said animal. Um, what What's the truth about conservation and why is that important uh, in not only just North America, but globally? Sure. So um, if you go back uh, before there were any hunting regulations, and, and it's not as long ago as we may think. It's actually back uh, in the late 1890s that, that things started to change. And some fairly famous names we, we can associate with this. So Roosevelt, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, was very um, influential in not only the national park systems that we're aware of, but things... Uh, well and beyond that, in regulated hunting, uh, if we look at the course of history, and I wish I had some statistics right here, but if you look at uh, the low uh, population levels of any of our iconic big game animals in North America, uh, before regulated hunting started, they were at their lows. So we all know the story of the American bison, mm-hmm. that there were less yeah. than 10,000, and now we have, you know, a, a, 
500,000 mm. bison. Wow. Um, you can go through every game species, whether they're white-tailed deer, uh, they're elk, they're turkey, and we well, see yeah. the same thing that has happened. And, and what happens is hunters truly, uh, not only with their passion and their interest, take care of the animal populations, but with the revenues generated by hunting, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of other people that enjoy the resources that we put in the field, uh, whether you're a bird watcher, you're a canoeist, you're a fisherman, etc., the game animals exist because the hunters have spent the money for licensing. Mm-hmm. And then through various different things like the Pittman-Robertson Act, there's a trickle-down effect mm-hmm. that multiplies the money that we spend directly on it. And that is exactly why someone who hunts or doesn't hunt can take a drive just north of here and see wild turkeys. Mm-hmm. Sure. So this this organization, you guys are national. You said 170 chapters. Sorry, global. 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 Right, 170 yep. global chapters. Here specifically, uh, Brent, you're in charge of the Charlotte, Charlotte chapter, chapter yes, here. Tell us a little bit about... Uh, the Charlotte chapter specifically, what do you guys uh, are involved in maybe specifically to your chapter versus maybe another chapter? Um, that's hard to say. I mean, we're, like we said, we go back to the global side of it. So just to, to separate us from the other chapters, um, here in this area, our biggest push right now mm-hmm. is to get the kids back in the woods. Um, and we're, our hardest thing to overcome right now is the Safari Club logo. Okay. We're trying to get, Safari actually re-identified as more of United States, getting the kids, taking the kid, the family on a safari. And mm-hmm. that, that is very simple. Um, I take my son. I mean, a squirrel hunting adventure is a safari to us. Okay. So bringing that theory back to our club and just starting again at the grassroots. I grew up squirrel hunting let's just say right. okay so what our goal is to bring that next generation into hunting but we got to start again at grassroots squirrel hunting rabbit hunting the uh bird hunting and all mm. and then grow the kids through it i mean the the smaller guns the bb guns the the smaller four times the shotguns and it, it's a cheaper way to get everybody back into it mm. um and then we do the little bit of fishing right um, other than that, I mean, that that's pretty much where I, it's hard to explain. And Scott's way better at this than I am. You did um, a great job. But, I think so too. He did a but, great job. But, um, that's our biggest thing. Um, we're just, we got to get the kids back in the woods. Um, our generation, Scott's generation, I mean, we, we are, our, what do you populace, whatever you want to say, is getting smaller. Mm-hmm. So the only way that we're going to keep going is bring the kids back into it so have you guys thought about an app where they can stay inside the house and pretend like they're <laughs> no hunting? see i don't That's even want to hear anything about app growing up and again i go back to growing up um i grew up in northern michigan okay um and i grew up and it was get out of the house mm. it was i can't stay in the house it's get out be back by six o'clock for dinner get back outside right um we have lost that um, and he, my son, he's standing right here next to me. I don't know if people can't see it, but, um, that's my biggest problem. And that's why I want, that's why I really started this. He's mm. more, all the kids are more into let's do video games. Let's sure. do this. Yeah. But the real life experiences and the outdoors, 
if you look at any research resources or research on Mm -hmm. it um what they bring out of people being in the outdoors is way more than they're ever going to get inside the house yeah um it's just the knowledge it's the respect that you get for the outdoors there's another part that i was going to bring up is most people think guns hunting how in the world as a parent could you give your kid a bb gun in this day and time what's the What's the biggest struggle that you have trying to convince people this is a safe and safe thing for kids to do? This is something that everybody can be involved in, and it's it's not scary. Right. It's not as scary as people make it out to be. Right. You want to take that one? Well, you know what? You're the father here, All right. so you're more so as a dad. Here, here's what I could here's be. what you know. I, it's hard to explain to parents, but I grew up in a hunting family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my dad had guns all over the house. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I'm young enough to where I had a gun in my window, and I'm no bullshit, um, when I went to high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, we left high school and we went hunting. Um, So now it's a scary thing to tell people, oh, this is what I did, (laughs) and especially with him. But it's like anything, education, having it in front of them, Mm -hmm. teaching them, again, let's go back to respect. These video games, there's no respect, Mm -hmm. right? Right? We all know that. There's no respect in the video game, and you can hit reset, Mm -hmm. and everybody's good. So the younger you can get a BB gun, younger you can get a pop gun mm-hmm. in a kid's hand and explain why, explain the use of it, explain the damage that it can cause. But yeah. easier way to show damage is take them in the field and, and teach them that. Put, yeah. a, put a you know, water jug like I was as a kid. Let them shoot it and see what happens. Yeah. But I think the biggest problem today is these kids see them on the video games, right? Mm-hmm. And they just go up and pick them up. Oh, we can do the same thing on there. Yeah. If you don't have that in front of these kids and you teach them from a young age the safety part of yeah. it, sure. um, how to break down a gun, how to check the safety, how to do all that, you know, so when their buddies come over, it's not a, oh, this is a new thing and just let's go do it. Mm-hmm. If they're used to it, it's much simpler, it's much safer, it's much everything about it. It's sure. a better way to go. Yeah. So you were uh, born and raised in Michigan. I was. Is that right? And now you're here in Charlotte. I am. Yeah. Concord area. Um, Huntersville, is that right? That's okay. where I live, yep. What's the differences in the hunting specifically between, like, Michigan and North Carolina? Sky, well, you, you, he's been on a lot of the stuff up in Michigan, but Michigan honestly offers you so much more mm. in the hunting world. Um, I think Michigan has been managed completely different than North Carolina. I think North Carolina is doing their best to catch up, mm-hmm. but we are so far behind. Okay. And I'll just be honest. Um, Michigan, you, there's... Break that down a little bit. Like, what makes it so far behind? Um, our resources to fishing, Michigan, our resources to state land, our resources to... Um, I mean, what else? I mean, it's just a different atmosphere. Okay. Everything in Michigan is about the outdoors. Okay. Um, your kids are involved up in Michigan. Uh, down here, I think it's coming, mm-hmm. and we're trying to push it. And again, go back to what we're trying to do with the kids. Sure. Um, but just the resources aren't there. I mean, we're just now getting elk back into the state. We're just now mm-hmm. opening up this. We're just now getting Sunday hunting. Um, so a lot of things that we're trying, and we're we're in that battle right now yeah. in North Carolina. Sure. So legislation on okay. the Sunday hunting and all that. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. It's just opening up North Carolina's resources to the hunter. Okay. Um, and then letting the hunter 
again, go back and use those resources. The donation value here is nothing like Michigan. I mean, Michigan's, um, we're getting, I mean, resources from hunting and fishing licenses, probably one of the biggest in the country, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, 750,000 licensed hunters. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, there are dimensions that, you know, but, but the real key is, is there is a great and longstanding hunting tradition and culture in North Carolina and in our neighbor to the south in mm-hmm. South Carolina. And, mm-hmm. Brian, we were talking how it is up in Virginia. So yeah. every region has something a little bit different to offer. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people from the upper Great Lakes, and we focused in on Michigan, that really would enjoy coming down to hunt deer in North Carolina or turkeys. So Mm -hmm. they're great cultures, but, yeah, they are a little bit different. I would say that Michigan and states like Michigan learned how to monetize it sooner. Mm. Right. And that created uh, growth in that segment. Wow. Okay. Tell us about this event, if we can just kind of plug this. I mean, we'll be – it'll it'll already be over is this something you guys do once a year once how often do you guys do an event like this here in in charlotte in charlotte this event this is our gala um it usually be one time a year okay um now we have other events we have kids event coming up we have um a pheasant shoot we have another pheasant shoot up in virginia planned um we'll have some other events to try to raise money again okay but this is our main core this okay. will be, and it'll be the same weekend next year. Okay. Okay. Um, we always try to do it the weekend after Valentine's Day. That's smart. Yeah. You don't want to do it beforehand. Well, yeah. You know. yeah. Well, it, it, it might be better if we do it before. Maybe somebody <laughs> oh. will come by some hunts. You never oh, know. It's it's a, this looks like a pretty right. fancy right. place. You could do it the okay. same weekend. Yeah. And you could, like, double up, you know. <laughs> there you go. Now, I, we did have Easter breakfast or brunch here, right. and they have very good bacon. My eight-year-old decided to tear into that when he was here, so I might think about that. So, JT, we we have identified that you're a bit of a foodie. Well, Uh, I mean, just look at me. You and Brian. And and Brett, what I'm picking up is is we better get bacon tomorrow morning because if these foodie guys say the bacon is good here, we better do it. All all the food's pretty good here. I had my wedding reception. Oh, Oh, did did you really? Yeah. Nice. How about you? Congratulations. The kitchen here was very good, yeah. I mean, it was years ago, but. (laughs) It's gone downhill ever since. Yeah. You you weren't in room 10 12, were you? No, I didn't stay here. I'll stay here. I didn't stay here, no. But we would have had here if the food wasn't good yeah no there you go that was the number one thing for that's you, huh? important to me hey guys, that, yeah. one thing i'd like to <laughs> yeah. just kind of comment on is is that uh, if you look at uh, various different organizations uh, there are uh, species specific organizations and they're great ones national wild turkey federation rocky mountain elk foundation ducks unlimited and they have a lot of chapter uh, or local type of events as well and their model is a little bit different than ours, and mm-hmm. why I really like our model is is the majority of the funds that Brett and his board are working to generate over this two-day event will stay with them. That's cool. And In North what, Carolina. What that means is they get to pick the projects. Now, they could certainly spend money internationally, mm-hmm. uh, nationally, regionally, but likely it's going to be a local focus. And each chapter then can kind of specialize in what's important to them within our framework. 
and one thing that you know you certainly heard Brett mention, and it's probably because of his great son right here. <laughs> but this chapter is very, very focused on youth in the outdoors, and I just celebrate that. That you know we're we're one common voice, uh, but there are a lot of special interests within particular chapters, and those chapters know what the local market right. needs the most for us to be successful. Yeah. So. So, and I think you said 70% goes here, yep. 30% goes Stays to you here. guys as a thing. Right. That's fantastic because, yeah. again, you know exactly what North Carolina needs. Right. And let me clarify North Carolina. Our, our, our reach, so our chapter is South Carolina, North Carolina, okay. Southern Virginia, and Eastern Tennessee. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Okay. So I want to. Yeah, I, I said North Carolina earlier. I apologize, but that is our region. Okay. That's that's a big region right yeah. there. And wow. right now on our list, I think we have over fifteen hundred members in this area. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, wow. We're a little bit bigger reach than that. And like Scott was touching on um, the other organizations, uh, it, it's hard to differentiate. But the best part about us, with our legal and everything, we're sort of the umbrella for all organizations. Mm-hmm. Um in the United States and worldwide, um, we're the ones that we, we fight the fight. Yeah. Okay. Um, they fight their fight a little bit different way. Sure. When it comes to the courtrooms and it comes to research-based, science-based facts, mm-hmm. we gather them, we fight for them. Right. So. So a selfish personal forecast of mine, um, in my backyard, I have got way too many squirrels. Right. And I live in downtown Concord. Can I, can I have him come over and just take care of them? <laughs> he would sit there all day and do it. But you have to legally tell my neighbors that it's like, don't mess with us. It's okay. We're right, right, right. We have, we, I think we have neighbors in our house, uh, in our neighborhood that uh, complain if we don't get enough. So See, because yeah. that's the problem. I mean, these, these suckers are in my attic. Like, I can't get rid of them. I'm trying to trap them. I'm asking you, please, like, can you just go in the trap right. so I can relocate you? Right. Um, good night, but downtown Concord. See, and that's an example of, like, we need a law that can get passed so that we can take care of those things <laughs> in, in downtown Concord. It, it's tough. Yeah, it's, tough. it's frustrating. Join us, and we'll we'll try to fight the battle. All right, so, so that, that's a that's a great sales pitch. <laughs> Take my money now. <laughs> and by the way, if you guys are successful and you get a bunch of the squirrels, I'll come back down. We'll have a big squirrel dinner because yeah. okay, is is we've talked about we all kind of like the food aspect too, mm-hmm. and one of the greatest things with with hunting. Uh, is not only the experience and being out with friends and family and, and uh, connecting with, with uh, you know, in my case, God outside mm. uh, where it all comes together sure. for me. Um, it also has a lot to do with when you get home and you can then turn that hard work uh, into a wonderful meal. Mm. And one of my real passions is cooking. Okay. And uh, I don't think it's an accident that that's one of my passions because another one is hunting. And I really didn't appreciate when I was a young kid a lot of the wild game dinners that I was presented mm-hmm. because people didn't know how to take care of it. And in my family, we did. Mm-hmm. And so I guarantee if we get that squirrel feed going on, we're going to really enjoy that one. <laughs> sure, that's going to sure, be fun. Sure. Awesome. Uh, now they may taste a little bit like peanuts because I'm trying to throw <laughs> as many peanuts out there. I'm not able to get them. <laughs> so, and, and that's an important aspect is it's not just about killing the animal. Oh, I think God, in no. a lot of mindsets, like it's just about 
killing and raw, you know, feeling raw. good about that, yeah. getting your picture taken with it, and then you leave it. That's not the case. Even just looking at some of the the uh, pictures up here, like you guys, like it's a lot of food that gets donated and used and ate for yeah. for all of the things you guys kill, right? Yeah, and I and and quite honestly. Um, there are some situations where you're going to travel and you aren't going to be able to consume all of it while you're there. But I don't know of one hunter who wouldn't ensure that that was a gift to the right people mm-hmm. of that area, what you couldn't consume and bring home. Um, and it also, you know, it sort of restricts some of my hunting right now. I have uh, the better part of an Eastern Canadian moose, a woodland caribou, a Rocky Mountain elk, a Columbia whitetail, and, uh, oh, a Barasinga deer from Texas, and Adama gazelle in my freezers. <laughs> and Good we gracious. do entertain a lot. We have a lot of people <laughs> over. And somebody said the other week, hey, we ought to go on a bison hunt. Do you have time to do it? <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have time because I'm donating all that time to SCI because that was a good excuse for me to say, no, I can't do it. I'm working on something bigger to protect hunting for all of us. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, it is, I don't have room for that, and I don't want to go shoot that if I'm not sure. going to be able to bring that beautiful mm-hmm. protein home. No, room for four more freezers. Right? Exactly. How <laughs> many freezers do you have right now? Uh, well, I, I, I actually have a friend who is the state chair of uh, Michigan Ducks Unlimited who has 13. I'm in no league near Dave Steinbach. Okay. I, I have Dave. Three, yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Three. Right. Three big ones. No but I'm borrowing another Dave's freezer at his house, too. That would be Dave Stoll. Yeah. Is he charging rent? Uh, See that? That's like what happens is, is some meat matriculates out of that freezer, and it's uh, payment, fair compensation. Sure. Yeah. When you, you said uh, connection between God, we, we all are not ashamed about our relationship with God. Hunting is... For you, you said a connection is where you spend and you connect with God. That's pretty prevalent, right? Getting out in the wild. We have another organization, Hook, Line, and Heroes, that goes fishing um, and takes vets fishing. And their whole thing as well is getting out in nature, and that's where you connect with God. You guys have that same experience as well, and I'm just sure most of your members as well. Well, I would say that that's definitely an individual thing, and I can't speak on behalf of our membership, but what I can say is, is, you know, I was a really fortunate young guy to to have been given a lot of opportunities to kayak and to canoe and to backpack and to camp in the middle of the wilderness in winter Mm. and to fish and to hunt. And like everybody else, you go out, you do everything, and after you grow up to a certain point, then you say, what really resonates with me Mm -hmm. and what's good? And so for me, all those things were really enjoyable and still are, but the one thing that was like an epiphany is when you hunt, you actually are part of nature Mm. rather than an observer of nature Mm. and when you realize at the level that you're participating then it does become pretty spiritual at least for me sure very cool brett thank you so much for inviting us to this this awesome event we're really stoked to to be here we want to be able to promote what you guys do going forward so will you keep in touch with us oh absolutely how we you team brian i mean it's a pleasure having you guys um thank you and thank you for letting us spread the word um 
I think that's the biggest thing. We need more of it, and um, I appreciate letting us do that. Yeah, thank you, guys. How can people get in touch? How can people join if they're in – because we're global, so right. we're all over the world. If people want to join, this, can they pr- join this particular chapter, or do they join just the organization? What happens is you join – Headquarters, which okay. is SCI. What's the exact website? Uh, it's safariclub.org. Dot org. And then our Charlotte site is SCI Charlotte NC. Okay. Dot, uh, dot org. Okay. So um, that would be the best way to do it. Okay. Absolutely. All right. And we'll have all those links on our, our show notes. Right. So people, when they check out this website, they'll be able to click both organization and Charlotte and get more information. Awesome. And, and when you think SCI, think Hunting advocacy, mm-hmm. conservation, yep. education, yep. and humanitarian uh, activities in the name of hunting. Okay. Can, four pillars. Those are the four pillars? Yeah. Very cool. Well, we'll definitely do that. Thank you guys again for joining. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, you buddy. got it. Yeah. Thanks for the Southern Fried philosophy and hospitality, and I hope we can do that in the squirrel uh, <laughs> squirrel dinner down the line. You Sounds got it. Good. Cheers, lads. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hook, Line, and Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit based in Charlotte, North Carolina, founded in 2017 to show God's love and appreciation for our disabled and PTS military veterans. They provide professionally guided fishing trips to nominated veterans at no cost to the veteran. Hook, Line, and Heroes has provided over 30-plus trips around the Carolinas since their founding, from red fishing down in Charleston to striper fishing on Lake Norman, and even offshore fishing down in Florida. Each trip is a one-on-one experience with a member of the organization aiming to provide a day of fun and relaxation on the water and begin a lifelong relationship with them. Each veteran leaves the day with a fully stocked tackle box, rod and reel, apparel, a Bible, and a daily devotion to kick to kickstart their new hobby and build their relationship with God. Please take the time to visit their website at hooklineandheroes.org to hear and learn more about them. You can help in many ways by nominating a veteran you know through their website, join their monthly giving program, Healing Heroes, or send a one-time personal or corporate donation. You'll also be happy to hear that they are completely volunteer-run and nearly 100% of your donations goes directly towards providing trips for the veterans. Be sure to follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to see their veteran stories and to show your support. All right, so uh, we have with us uh, Richard Robinson. Uh, he is also with SCI. wanted to kind of talk to him about what his job is uh, for, for the organization. Uh, Richard, you, you manage, you said, 44 chapters. Roughly 44 chapters right now. That's yes. like almost the Bible. That's, that's a bunch. That's a lot. No, that's 44, 63 books, right? Uh, uh, that's, I don't know. That's math, Something man. Like that. like, you know, I can't do yeah. math. <laughs> so, and then you also manage, like, any new chapters that are coming up. Yeah, any of the new chapters that we start through Safari Club uh, pretty much go through me to start. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, that's not, it's not just for the United States. That's for the entire world. The entire world. Yeah. What's the, what's the latest chapter that's starting up? Uh, the latest chapter we started was in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Really? Yeah, it was the only state in the union that didn't have a chapter, and we <laughs> finally got one started there. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. would think that would be, like, the number one place. No, surprisingly enough. And, huh. and, and um, you know, we, we pulled from a pool of about 675 members or so up there uh, in the area, and, and a good group came out and decided they wanted to do it, so we now have a new Fargo chapter. Wow. wow. Yeah. 
out of those 44, what's the largest chapter that you that you have? You know, it's 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 interesting because I've got some of the best chapters in the country in my region, and you can look at them in a number of different ways. If mm-hmm. you look at the largest chapter by membership, it would be, I think, the Houston chapter. I believe they've got okay. some somewhere around 1,300 members. Wow. And if you look at the largest uh, chapter by money they raise, it would be the West Texas chapter in Midland, <laughs> Odessa, Texas. Okay. You know, because they, they sure. just pre- presented a check to Safari Club um, at our last board meeting for, I think, $139,000 as was their 30% contribution. Oh, wow. So. You mentioned the 30% contribution from from what we, we had Scott and Brent on, and we had a, a misconception. You, you brought it up. SCI will take... Um, 30% of the largest event, uh, fundraising event that you guys do. It's not every event. Yeah. It's just the largest. Yeah, one of, one of the one of the requirements, and, and there's these seven points of, of compliance, as we call them, and most of them are just things to keep the chapters in compliance with the IRS and to keep Safari Club in compliance with mm-hmm. the IRS. But uh, one of the things that we ask our chapters to do as, as a requirement of being a chapter is that every year they host an annu- at least one annual fundraising event, and of their largest fundraising event, they will provide Safari Club with 30% of the net dollars raised at that event. Wow. 70% of the money stays within the chapter to do work in their own communities. But the cool thing about it is it's only of their largest event. If, yeah. if, if the Charlotte chapter hosts two or three events a year, then they keep all of that money to do work that they do in the community. So wow. they just provide us 30% of the largest fundraiser. That's very cool. Yeah. How do, if you wanted to start a chapter, say there's somebody, you know, in Bangkok, Thailand, yeah. that wanted to start a, uh, a a chapter, how do they go about the process? You know, they, they just contact Safari Club or if they if they, they know somebody that's in Safari Club, whether it's a regional person or 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 just somebody from the home office they can they can let us know and what I will do is I will send out what we call a starter kit okay. uh, to the chapter and it's basically all the paperwork and the requirements of becoming a chapter and um, we just leave it up to them to fill that out I'll help guide them through the process of filling out all the paperwork okay you know and in the United States it involves everything from you know setting up a nonprofit status uh, their corporation and all of that but and that's the stuff that's all about the IRS compliance side of it, and um, and then the other part of it is just making sure they can gather together at least twenty five SCI members in their community, um, uh, electing officers, establishing some bylaws, and we provide them with with a guideline for doing that as as well as sample bylaws that a lot of them actually end up adopting and just mm. modifying to fit their particular needs. Wow. So. And then the, their chapter agreement, which is basically where they agree to, you know, do 30% of their largest fundraiser and that they are going to operate underneath the IRS guidelines. Uh, not the IRS guidelines, but as Safari Club guidelines. So, It's, it's international. Yes. So how do, you, how do you deal with chapters outside of the U.S.? It's a little different, you know, because every country has, has their own rules and regulations governing mm-hmm. organizations like ours. And and really when it comes to what I do for them is I provide them the paperwork and I provide the, the guidance to get through all of the establishment of the chapter paperwork. And then we turn it over to, we just recently hired uh, a European uh, chapter service specialist. And so anybody in Europe or in that area of the world, I would 
send that paperwork on to him and he would be able to work directly with them. I, I don't actually travel to those countries. I just, right. I, I help them get set up and then we turn it over to someone in their area. Okay. So you yeah. don't have to, you're not, you don't have to know all the international laws. Right. You just find somebody in that area that does. Yeah. And, and, and of course they do. I mean, when they get there though, and they're setting up their chapter, they will contact you know their their government to go through the process of of what they have to do, and uh, we have people at Safari Club that have a little bit of insight into that. Some of the more senior uh, managers that travel into those areas that have been working with that for years sometimes handle a lot of it too. How long have you been with the organization? I've actually been with Safari Club a little over a year. Oh wow! But I've I've been in this industry since 1996, working for you know other organizations. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um. What's your your biggest um, the thing that you like the most about SCI? You know, uh, the thing I love the most about SCI is is um, the fact that it, SCI represents every species. Hmm. And you know, I've worked for single species organizations, you know, in my career, and uh, I think what what I look at is we do we really do represent every hunter. And Safari Club itself is the only organization out there uh, in conservation that lobbies for hunting rights. You know, a lot of people think the NRA does it, and and they don't. Mm-mm. I worked for the NRA for quite a long time years ago, and and uh, and what, what the NRA does, God love them, because without them, we wouldn't be where we're at right now. Uh, but what the NRA does is they they fight for the aspect of hunting that deals specifically with gun rights. That's it. And uh, they're very supportive of of what we do. Mm. But what the NRA is to gun owners, Safari Club is to hunting. Gotcha. Uh, We have the largest pack in Washington, D.C. that's out there 24-7 fighting to protect, you know, protect hunting rights for Mm. our citizens. And so if you you have to liken us to anybody, you could liken us to the NRA. Mm. So... Fair to assume you really enjoyed the Democratic national debate. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that was that was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> we're gonna take away all the guns. No, we're not. It's not. Yeah. I think Klobuchar said uh, it's not. It's not a gun confiscation if you if you buy it back. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no. Yeah. A mandatory buyback program is not confiscation. That's what it was. Oh, jeez. How about it? Um, one of the things I want to talk about that you brought up earlier off air is the humanitarian and education piece of SCI. Yes. We didn't really get to dive too much into that with Scott and Brett. Tell us a little bit about those those pillars of, of SCI. Well, you know, the education aspect of it is, is obviously it, there's Hunter Ed that's involved in that, but we also do have a great program at, at our ALLS camp. And, okay. and it's the old adult leader, uh, adult wilderness leadership training school out in, out in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And one of the big projects that is funded out of Safari Club and the chapters is the ALLS training. What that is is it's an education program designed for educators, you know, hmm. for teachers. Uh, and the chapters like, like the Charlotte chapter will sponsor sending a teacher to the ALLS camp during the summer and, and what they learn there is they learn about 
hunting and how hunting is part of conservation and and they they get to see hunting in an entirely new light mm. yeah. uh, in terms of how it actually affects the overall um, the world of conservation and, and and hunting actually is a good thing sure and uh, they learn a lot about just basic wildlife conservation as well and they can bring that back to the classrooms and share it with the kids and where that's been done it's been very very effective in in uh, with these uh, teachers in combating what has been a lot of very bad misinformation about uh, hunting being all about just, you know, whether it's African safaris or whether we're just out there taking animals indiscriminately and, yeah. and not worrying about, you know, the long-term impact on a species. Mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. we actually teach them that a lot of these species wouldn't be around if we weren't actually hunting them. Yeah, and so it's actually they understand when they come back from that program that that there's actually a plan. Uh, that's part of this is mm-hmm. is part of an overall wildlife management plan yeah that actually will help grow a species and preserve it very cool yeah humanitarian I, i'm seeing like some of the food that gets donated and, and that kind of stuff yeah can you, can you speak to any of, of that part you know i mean whether it's in the local communities and the chapters do it or whether it's uh the blue bags that we do overseas i mean you know the blue bag program is a big deal where you can actually buy those, they, they, they come with these blue bags, and you take them when you go to Africa, and you can actually provide uh, food and and, uh, and other necessities to people there when they go. Hmm. But, uh, you know, wherever we're at, our members are very, very good about their humanitarian work. Like I said, in, I think about one of my chapters out in Utah, and it's not even all, always about feeding people. It's about, I've got a chapter in northeast Utah that, uh, actually used part of their money uh, two years ago to buy a new search and rescue dog for their police department. Oh, one the, okay. And one of the okay. things that they that they do at their fundraiser is they played the video of the, the newscast where some child was saved uh, that would have died yeah. ha- had they not had that rescue dog that oh, was wow. purchased by Safari Club. And something else that they do, it, that they're doing as well out there is there are a lot of... Um, people who need uh who are very much in need in, in the vernal utah area and they rely on the food pantries and the and the and the thrift shops and mm-hmm. you know the places where you, where you can go and get things that you can afford a lot of elderly people a lot of poor people and um they frequent those places and if you know anything about utah that they have they have a lot of cold weather it's either very very cold or very very hot and I was going to go with a lot of Mormon, a lot of Mormons, <laughs> but so like a lot of these, a lot of these chapters, I don't know where they came up with the idea, but it was mm-hmm. great. But they, they funded putting heated and cooled bus stops. Oh, wow. In the areas that these people frequent, because a lot of them take the buses yeah. to, to, for transportation. That's awesome. So that is know, cool. Instead of having to stand out there and wait in the, in, in, you know. 10 below temperatures yeah they're sitting in a heated bus stop that's got an sci logo on it for the chapter wow because they they put them in there so wow. it's, it's not just even dealing with hunting or hunting rights no. you can do whatever you want with that money they do whatever they want with the money <laughs> Very and, cool. and they do projects to serve their communities which mm. is which is something we probably do a pr- very poor job of, of promoting sometimes yeah even on the local level but the people in those communities know yeah where well, very cool yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us. I really You're appreciate uh, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1812 Barbecue Story started over 20 years ago when Eric and his dad started entering local barbecue competitions for fun. During that time, Eric, a United States Marine, has traveled all over the world picking up flavors and techniques that today is the unique flavor of the award-winning 1812 Barbecue. He has honed his craft to bring you fall-off-the-bone pulled pork, mouth-watering ribs, and finely crafted beef brisket. Eric has developed his own amazing dry rub and delicious barbecue sauce. And let's not forget the sides. Coleslaw, smoked Gouda mac and cheese, cowboy baked beans, and to top it all off, banana pudding and pecan pie for dessert. Getting hungry yet? Good. Call or email Eric at 1812Barbecue, and he can make your next catered meal happen. Wedding and graduation parties, family reunions, and other events will be memorable with 1812Barbecue. Want to try your own hand at smoking meats? Pick up your own 1812 dry rub and start the journey for yourself. Shipping all over the world, connect with Eric on his Facebook page, Instagram at 1812Barbecue, or call 704-604-5148 or email eric at eric.line at 1812barbecue.com and he'll be glad to help any way he can. All right, so we have got with us Charles Van Royen. Did I do it right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Nailed right. it. Yeah, all right. And, and you are kind of, you're, you're with SCI as the organization, but you have your own company. And it, tell us about it. What's the name of it again? My company's name is Infinita Safaris, and we are based in South Africa. Uh, Dude, what a lot so of cool. people don't know is that African safaris is very, very regulated, hunting safaris. Uh, you know, it's regulated by the government. All hunting is done legally. There's a very big difference between illegal poaching and mm-hmm. legal hunting. Sure. And that's basically what we're all about. You know, we're a safari outfit in the Limpopo province of South Africa. That's if you, everyone knows where Johannesburg is, and that's mm-hmm. about two hours from the airport that our lodge and our land is. And we hunt animals on a sustainable basis with mostly American hunters. Okay. Cool. And you also do, you said, photographic safaris as well. Correct, yes. You know, that's what's called non-consumptive tourism. So uh, the Kruger National Park is one of the biggest national parks in the world. You know, it's 6 million acres, the Great Kruger National Park, where elephants, lions, mm-hmm. rhino, buffalo, uh, leopard, the big five, as they know, roam freely. And we provide safaris to that where people can enjoy non-consumptive tourism. Stay in a nice lodge, go out in the day, take pictures of the animals with a guide that's knowledgeable knowledgeable about them and can share, you know, what all the animals is about. Okay. Uh, about the hunting safaris, so what are some of the big ones that people go there to, to hunt? You know, one of the, the big misconceptions is that animals like lions and elephants are illegal to hunt in Africa and that they are um, endangered. And this is where public um, uh, um, knowledge comes in. You know, they, they need to know, people need to know that it's mm-hmm. very regulated by governments. There's scientific proof on the offtake of these animals that is needed. It's like any wild animal, like whitetail or elk in the States. Sure. You know, these animals need to be managed and controlled, mm-hmm. and it's done in a very scientific and professional manner. So elephants, lions, leopards are all legally hunted okay. in Africa on a, on a permit system that's issued by governments. But most of the people go to South Africa or Namibia and hunt plains game, you know, kudu, zebra, wildebeest, those animals. 
and and unfortunately most uninformed folks think of lion king when they see zebra <laughs> and wildebeest <laughs> right and and <laughs> not simba that's simba you know yeah. and and unfortunately um the reality is that these are wild animals that need to be controlled and and also you know if you look at the consumptive use side on it uh, these animals provide much needed protein for local population Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the anti-hunting community goes out and, and, and say that we just kill these animals for fun, um, where the reality is that these animals are hunted. Yes, it's sport hunted, but it's regulated, and the meat goes to the local people. They don't eat skins. Do you eat the mm-hmm. leather of a cow? No. <laughs> no. Well, okay. I've been to some restaurants where it makes it feel like it. I'll say that. And, and, and you're not putting the meat on a plane back to the States. No. Unfortunately, yeah. you cannot do that, you know, because of international sure. regulations in the trade of meat and, 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 and disease control. So the, the skin and the horns is a way for the American hunter to remember his hunt by, and that's what the trophy is about. You know, you go around here in North Carolina and other places, and you see deer heads all over. Sure. Um, just It's a reminder of the guy's hunt. and, and and that's what trophy hunting is all about, really. Uh, yeah. It's kind of similar to my bourbon bottles. I just keep uh, the bourbon yeah. bottle, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think especially for Americans, we just we have this uh, imagination or this fantasized version of what like a lion or an elephant is. Whereas I guess in Africa, it'd be like my whitetail, essentially. Like they're everywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the exactly. <laughs> and 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 we must realize that specifically in the case of lions and elephants, that these are big and potentially dangerous animals. You mm-hmm. know, so they are restricted to certain areas. I personally am a Christian person, and I believe that uh, God put us on this earth to manage these animals. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you believe. Is at the end of the day, there's a command in the Bible that we have to protect His creation, and lions and and, and, and elephants are just two of the species that needs protection from people. Mm. So they have been restricted to these protected environments mm-hmm. by fences and by governments controlling them. But at the end of the day, if you restrict an animal's natural movement, it's got to be controlled or else he's going to destroy his environment, his right. habitat. Right. And, and that's where a lot of people don't understand the science and the logic behind controlled hunting. It's regulated, guys. There's permits that are issued on this. The meat is used. You know, it doesn't go to waste. It's not a bloodlust fest. Yeah. Um, you know, it's but lion specifically is a very, very touchy subject when it yeah. comes to hunting. And the regulations around lion hunting all over Africa now, in all the countries that it is allowed, is that male lions aged six years and older that is not pride dependent are the only lions the guides are allowed to hunt, which means that male is out of his breeding cycle, is not contributing to the future of the species. And that the guide then, he's got certain guidelines to age that animal mm-hmm. and then can hunt him. So it's kind of like like when you when you hit Medicare here on in, in our society, once you hit 65, no more breeding for you. You're done. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you're right. And then, all of a sudden, <laughs> then all of a sudden we introduce that little blue pill. Now everybody's uh, all running rough I think it's shot. a slightly different process <laughs> so we did. In, uh, for lions. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of hunting programs. Sure. All right. Be honest with us. Yeah. How close have you ever had your head? How close have you ever been what? to having your tail tore out the frame because of hunt gone bad? 
You ever been close to being attacked, you know, by yeah, animals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the closest you've ever been? Can you Americanize that? Because I don't think he knows what you're saying. No, I know exactly <laughs> are you, what Are you tracking? Because I'm, I'm not tracking. <laughs> what was that? He's from South Africa. He understands. Right. He, evidently, I don't understand. <laughs> I got, you know, funnily enough, people think that lions and elephants are the most dangerous animals. And, and you can probably speak to 10 guides that hunt dangerous game. And I'm a dangerous game qualified guide. And you would probably get 10 different answers. Um, but for me, the animal that I got closest to being hurt was a Cape buffalo um, mm. in Mozambique uh, that I ended up killing about six yards from my feet um, that wow. charged us, the wounded animal. And, and any one of these animals, I've never been charged by a leopard. I've been charged by an elephant. I've been charged by a lion. Um, all these animals are when they are pushed into a corner they will act aggressively um buffalo you know i've i've always said that buffalo are born mad you know there's something in them and it's got to do with the genetic makeup you know they are hunted by lions from mm. a very early age and therefore they've they've learned over the years and it's bred into their genes that they have to fend for themselves and i consider gay buffaloes our most dangerous game wow. animal yeah hmm. so yeah i've i've been at that shop end of the spear yeah. wow goodness um so if somebody wanted to to go on a safari how do they actually do that what's the process for if i want to say hey let's go let's i want to I you know the, the good news is that the safari industry is healthy mm-hmm. um specifically in the united states and america me and my wife erica was in germany three weeks ago at one of the hunting shows there um, and we were surprised to find that there was about 50,000 people over the four days of that show. So the industry is healthy, mm. and, and there's a lot of good outfitters out there. If an outfitter belongs to Safari Club International and um, maybe an organization in his own country, like with us in South Africa, we have the Professional Hunters Association of South Africa. Okay. If he's a member of one of those organizations, folks are pretty, pretty sure to have a good time. And most people have representatives in the United States that book their hunts for them. And beautiful time of the year is in January or February. You can sit down with outfitters at shows and at events and discuss your requirements for a hunt or, you know, how you want to go about it. And most services are all-inclusive. What people don't know is they think that African safaris are very expensive, you know. Mm -hmm. But you can go to to Africa for $4,000, shoot four or five animals, um, of course, you have to pay your airfare, um, but have a good time, you know, three meals a day, stay in a nice lodge, um, hunt for a couple of days and then go to a, a, a park to go and take photos. Um, so it's actually, we market our safaris as a hunting holiday hmm. in South Africa okay. where it's family friendly. You'll find it surprised that folks come with the kids, five, six, seven years old. Um, wow. You know, it, so it's, it's, it's like flying to the other end of the states you know <laughs> south africa specifically you know it's a very wow. developed country uh, the lodges are nice the food is home-cooked meals and as i said in general the industry is healthy mm-hmm. so you are bound if an outfitter is a member of one of these organizations you're bound to have a good time so how do they get in contact with you specifically say i want to go kill a lion with you if they want to get in touch with me, the easiest way is to go to our website. That's www.infinito, 
hyphensafaris.com. Infinita, of course, uh, is the old Latin word that means never-ending. And that's mm. our motto is the never-ending safari experience to Africa. Wow. And um, I've, I'm a second-generation professional hunter. I've been doing it for 18 years this year full-time. Wow. And uh, we're very proud of what we do. Wow, very cool. And so you you go all over the world. So you've been to Germany, yeah, and yeah. here in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I bet yeah. You what's the What's the best food that you've had here so far? Like, I'm a big sushi fan, man. A big uh, sushi yeah, fan. Yeah, and 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 it's tough to get uh, uh, good sushi all over the world. That is true. <laughs> you have to know your hole, so to that speak. Is true. But, um, also a big barbecue fan. Okay. Um, well, and I'm in the right for place that. for that. Absolutely. And I got some nice vinegar-based barbecue. Yep. And now I listen, I've been doing this a long time and I've been fortunate to travel all over the world, hunt, fish, and visit with people that are like minded, mm-hmm. you know. And um the United States is still my favorite place to visit. You know, of we course. are so like minded, you know, the um actually English is my second language, it's not my first language. And um, but at the end of the day, it's easy for us to mingle with American hunters and, and American people in general and sure. have a good time. English is also my second language. I don't know what my first one is. <laughs> 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 what kind of what kind of pushback do you get from the anti-hunting groups uh, here or back in South Africa? Uh, is is it? Yeah, probably? I mean, it, it's in in America. It's much worse than in South Africa. Mm. Um, in, in South Africa, we we always talk about the the twenty twenty percent. You have the twenty percent pro hunting community, and you have the twenty percent solid against it, and then you have a bunch of fence sitters. And mm. when you sit down and you talk to the fence sitters in the middle. They come around to this whole sustainable use thing, you know, as long as you use the meat and you mm-hmm. use the animal, sure. they're okay with it. In America, it's a bit different. You know, unfortunately, what I've found over the last 18 years is that um, the American public quickly jump on a bandwagon the moment that no, the, 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 the media gets on it. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and, and, and they will run with a topic. You know, when Cecil the Lion was killed um, a couple oh, of years yeah. ago in Zimbabwe, I mean, oh. it made CNN and all the big news channels and everyone made a big hoorah about it. At the end of the day, that animal was legally killed. Mm-hmm. The guy that was monitoring that lion for a science project actually talked to the guide afterwards and said that it was the right lion to take because it was out of age and this and that and the other. It's fair game, right? It's fair game. So yeah. so if, if you look at... Um, the anti-hunting community in America, I think a lot of it comes down to people just simply being uninformed, unfortunately. Mm. And yeah. we are we are hoping through organizations like SCI that we can get the word out there to the general public that, you know, um, hunting, legal hunting, mm-hmm. permitted hunting is good for the animals. And the only way that these animals will survive, you know, we all have Facebook pages. Well, most of us do. Mm-hmm. And on my Facebook page... I clearly say right at the top on my profile picture, hunting is conservation. Mm. As weird as it might sound, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's missing, I think, from a lot of the conversations. It's, you know, because of the public eye, they just think of – there's this vision of it's either just some rich guy who just wants to do it because he can mm-hmm. or yeah. some good old boys out in the woods and it's just what they do. You know, it's yeah. not – they don't think about the um, ecological – yeah. impacts yeah. you know at the end of the day if if, if you look at the uh, program that i'm i'm involved with tanzania which is a different country than south africa uh, it's a community a community-based program that community benefits directly out of the hunting not only the meat 
they actually get a part of the money that goes around oh, wow. and and that is vitally important to to their uh, sustainability you know sure. and, and what they do and what we found there is the moment that we involve them financially into that program where they benefit directly <laughs> the poaching stopped they started oh, wow. looking after the animals huh. Because now, now they get an actual direct benefit out of the hunting in U.S. dollars. And, you know, the old cliche when it comes to the anti-hunting community is, guys, are you sending $10 a month to someone that asks you on the TV to support a donkey somewhere in the world? Or are you going to buy a safari with someone that yeah. you know that your four or $5,000 is going to have a direct impact on the conservation of species in that area? Mm. You know, and, and, and it's the old sage, you know, hunters actually take out of their own pockets money to contribute to conservation. Yeah, true. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, Charles, thank you so much for coming on the show. We Guys, really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. We'll have your link on our show notes. Um, thank so, you. So uh, anybody wants to, to do this, I, I mean, I'm telling you, SFP, <laughs> here we go. Hey, let's do it. Well, <laughs> I guys, would be thanks. such a bad shot. It would yeah. be ridiculous. Thanks for having <laughs> us, and good luck with that bourbon collection. Oh, <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Appreciate right. it. All right, that's going to wrap us up uh, from the Embassy Suites here in Concord at the uh, Safari Club International uh, Convention uh, fundraiser. There's going to be a gala here tomorrow night. Leon is really trying to push us to come to this gala. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, we've got plans of events. But it, it, listen, next year... I'm here, buddy. This yeah, is going to be awesome. This was very enlightening for me just to hear them talk about some of this stuff. Yeah. And I think it'd be a good, good idea for a lot of our listeners to click these links and look at what uh, these guys are about. Yeah, I, I think it, one of the the big misconceptions, and you said earlier with, with Shaw, is, you know, we think that hunting is just good old boys and rednecks and, you know, big fat white guys going to hunt stuff but at the end of the day like it is conservation and it is trying to help the species and and it's not just about like you said yeah because there's i mean overcrowding is a real issue with certain species Mm -hmm. or any species probably and if the you know natural predators haven't been or take or been taken out and not Mm -hmm. reintroduced you have to kind of clean up after those guys you know so um, anyway, we're we're glad to be here. We're glad to support these guys, and uh, we want to thank them for having us out. This is uh, another episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. You can check us out, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, any of your favorite podcast aggregates. You can check out our website at southernfriedphilosophy.com, new and improved by our friends at Webmerized. We want to say shout-out to our sponsors, 1812 Barbecue, Watchman Cigars, Hook, Line, and Sink, uh, he- <laughs> Hook, Line, and Heroes. <laughs> we appreciate them so much. Without them, this episode would not be possible. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As producer Brian said, check out the links on our show notes and uh, learn more about these guys. Fantastic time. We appreciate them again for having us out. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, and as always, keep looking up. You're listening to the SFP Radio Network.